When I was in elementary school, I suffered from anxiety. Of course, this was back in the late 60s and very early 70s, and no one called it anxiety back then. We just used to say that I got nervous. What happened was I got headaches on a fairly regular basis, and it usually coincided with a test at school or some other event like that coming up. I didn't really feel nervous, and I got pretty good grades in school, so I don't know why I got nervous. I remember going to Children's Hospital where I had an EEG to make sure that everything was all right with my brain. And before any of you make any jokes at all, <laughs> they determined my brain was okay. <laughs> so after all of that, I was prescribed a half a pill that I took every day that I guess helped me get not so nervous and get a headache. It worked, and I guess I just outgrew it by junior high. We all get anxious on occasion. It's normal to feel anxious sometimes. Most of the time, our anxiety is everyday, run-of-the-mill anxiety that everyone has. It comes and it goes, and we don't really even give it very much thought. But anxiety can run to the other extreme, where it's downright debilitating, and it is a very real medical mental health problem. That extreme kind of anxiety can be treated by therapists with breathing exercises and other therapies like that, other techniques, through talk therapy, even through medication sometime. And you should definitely seek treatment if you have that kind of anxiety. God certainly knows that fear, worry, anxiety, and stress are very real issues in the life of human beings. The Bible speaks over and over again into the fears that we face as human beings. The most frequent command in the Bible is, fear not or do not be afraid. Today, we're continuing our series from the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has some teaching to give us about anxiety. I'll be picking up today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Like I said, we all struggle with worry and anxiety some with more depth of despair than others. Telling someone not to worry just makes them worry that they are worrying. And the simple truth is, the more we worry, the more we worry. Now, worry doesn't come out of the thin air. There's always something that precipitates our worry. There's some underlying factor that precedes our anxiety. In my case, way back in my childhood, it was probably the misplaced fear of not doing well on school tests when I was in fourth grade. Notice how Jesus begins this whole teaching on anxiety. The clue is right there in the very first word of verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore. And you know that word therefore always means that what's coming next is built on what's already been said. If you remember back to last week's reading, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Anxiety has a source. Anxiety is an equal opportunity tormentor. It affects everyone, not just certain people. Poor people struggle with anxiety, and rich people do too. Sick people worry about getting well, and healthy people worry about getting sick. Old people worry, and so do the very young. And depending upon your stage in life or what experiences you have in life, what we worry about sounds something like these. What am I going to do about that bully at school? Where should I go to college? What should I do with my life? Will I ever settle down and get married? How can I turn my troubled marriage marriage around? Where will I get the money to pay for these bills this coming month? What will the doctor say about my biopsy? What have I even accomplished with my life? What will happen when I die? And you know, as well as I do, that that list could go on and on. We think that if we could just solve the one thing that we're worrying about, that we'd be fine. But just as soon as we solve one worry, another one pops up, and we get anxious all over again. One writer said, anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind, 
if encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all of our other thoughts are drained. Anxiousness has a way of pulling all our thoughts into a rut of worry. Jesus knows the reality of the struggles we face with a whole litany of things to worry about. He lists three things in this passage, food, drink, and clothing. But this is by no means an exhaustive list. These just represent all of the things in life that we worry about. And over and over again in this passage, Jesus tells us not to worry He talks about being anxious and encourages us not to be. Most importantly, he gives us the antidote to all the worry, stress, and anxiety that we face. He doesn't try to address every single fear we could ever have. Instead, Jesus tells us that anxiety isn't the root of our problem. It's a symptom of a deeper problem. Because behind the question, what are you worried about, is a deeper question. What are you living for? Jesus tells us the solution to worry in verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus says that if we get our priorities straight, if we put the kingdom of God and his righteousness first in our lives, that everything else, all the things that we are worried about, will fall into place. Rather than anxiety cutting a channel into which all of our worried thoughts are drained Jesus says, as we seek first the kingdom of God, it creates a kingdom mindset in us that draws everything else in life into a kingdom channel. When we're tempted to worry about food or clothing or bullies or biopsies, Instead of these real concerns being swept into a deep channel of worry and fear, they are swept into a deeper channel of faith and trust in God. And our hearts can experience peace even in the midst of anxious times. Seeking God's kingdom first in our life will reorder all the other priorities in our life. We have to keep what's most important, most important. And if we get the first thing right, everything else is going to fall into place. When we commit our lives to Jesus Christ, we commit to following Him as our Lord and our Savior. We commit to following His commandments and His teachings, including all the ones we're learning about from His Sermon on the Mount. And as we grow in Christ, all of the things that used to matter to us the most are slowly replaced by things that matter 
to him the most. We begin to realize that we were not created to chase after food, drink, and clothing. Oh, we need those things to be sure, but we were not created for them. We were created to give glory and honor and pleasure and praise to God through Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we get off track along the way. I mean, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that the Christian life is full of ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Sometimes we feel super close to Christ, and it feels like He's walking right beside us every step of every day. And other times, it feels like He may have moved away And what that always means is that we are the ones who have really moved away from Him. He started out as our first love, and we couldn't do enough to please Him. He was all we thought about. But slowly, we begin to let other things in life take priority. And that's where worry begins to creep in. It's like the church in Ephesus You remember how Jesus wrote a note to them recorded in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, and he says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. It's like a long-term relationship with your spouse. At first, when you're dating, you do anything for them. You want to spend every minute with them, and all you think about is the love of your life. And over the years even when you're still very much in love, it takes some planning, some forethought, even some intentionality to keep them first in your thought because it's an easy trap to fall into. Being anxious about life isn't just being worried. It's about getting our priorities out of order so that we give ourselves to to things that aren't of first importance. We begin to seek life in stuff, and we think that security or significance or value or meaning in life can come from owning a nicer car or a bigger house or having a higher-paying job. None of these things are wrong in and of themselves, but when they push themselves into first place, and push out other more important things, that's when they become wrong. That's when they become idolatrous. Being anxious about life can lead us to pour ourselves into our career and let our family and friends go neglected. It can lead us to be so focused on the trouble our kids get into or the inconvenience they cause us that we forget to just enjoy them, to just enjoy the season of life that they are in. It can cause our minds to get clouded over worries about what tomorrow holds, so much so that we don't appreciate all the good things and the blessings around us today, like the beautiful summer day that it is or a gorgeous sunset over the lake, or a simple walk in the woods. Sometimes we just need to stop and thank God for the blessings in our lives, for life, for love, the people that we love, the people who love us in return. 
We need to thank God for the blessings of friendship and family, the food, the drink, the clothing, the house we have. Instead of relentlessly pursuing more, 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 thank God for what you already have. Thanking God for what you already have prevents you from worrying about what you don't have. Seeking the kingdom first reminds us of what's most important in life. And seeking the kingdom first and keeping our first love, our first love, is built day by day, moment by moment, through things like practicing the six habits, like praying daily and, and daily Bible study, by serving others, giving generously, sharing our faith with others, getting into a life group so we can do this Christian life together and worshiping God regularly. As we seek God's kingdom first, our faith grows and we begin to replace our anxiety with trust. In today's passage from Matthew 6, Jesus spends a lot of time assuring us that our Heavenly Father knows what we need, cares about our needs, and that He will take care of our needs. Jesus points to the birds of the air, and He reminds us that our Heavenly Father feeds them and cares for them. And then He asks, how much more will your Heavenly Father take care of you? And then he draws our attention to the lilies of the field. And by the way, is it just me or are the common everyday side-of-the-road orange daylilies not particularly spectacular this year? Has anyone else noticed those but me? I drove up to Lake Erie this week, and all along the country roads on the way up there, they were just beautiful. And there is a stretch on Ayers Road, kind of like between Asbury and Five Mile. Gorgeous. Take a drive down there if you haven't already. Jesus says, look at how God clothes the lilies of the field. They are more beautiful than a Dior designer dress, a Hugo Boss designer suit, or even Solomon in all his splendor. They are here today and gone tomorrow, and yet God clothes them spectacularly. Won't he surely do the same for you? I remember when my wife, Marge, was still working in the corporate world, and our second daughter, Allie, was coming along. Marge decided that she wanted to only work part-time in order to devote more time to caring for our two girls at that time. I remember worrying about the finances of her only working part-time, and I soon discovered that God took care of every single one of our needs. And so when our third daughter came along, Marge decided to cut back again, and I had learned to trust God a little more to take care of us, and I didn't worry quite as much that time. I remember I worried when I left my corporate job at the bank to attend seminary and become a pastor, and again, God provided everything we needed. I worried when my oldest daughter, Sarah, decided to quit her job as a teacher to pursue a degree in counseling so that eventually she could become a missionary in Romania where she is today. I worried again, and yet again, God provided. Jesus says our Heavenly Father knows we need the things we need, 
which means he cares about the things we need. And when we seek the kingdom of God first, everything else we need will be added to our lives. It's our heavenly Father who adds it. Seeking the kingdom first doesn't mean we have to live without what we need. It means we don't live for what we need. We live for something bigger. We live for God's kingdom. Do you see how seeking the kingdom of God first reorders our lives? Instead of the things we need for life being what we pursue, they become added to our lives. As we seek God's interests, we trust Him to take care of our interests. Trusting God, our Father, helps us store up treasure in heaven by living a life of giving rather than a life of hoarding, a life of investing rather than a life of accumulating, a life of thriving rather than a life of surviving. If you're going through a time in your life where anxiety is real and you're tempted to shrink back or pull back or devote all your time and energy to focus on the one thing that's controlling all your time and attention and focus, don't do that. Do the opposite. Trust your heavenly Father and sow kingdom seeds in other directions. If money is a major concern, don't stop being generous. Sow seeds of generosity. If you feel emotionally drained, don't stop giving or hoard what energy you have. Give to others and look to your Father to supply your need. Seeking first the kingdom replaces anxiety with trust in our Heavenly Father. And when our anxiety is replaced by trust in the Father, we find freedom from the fear of tomorrow so that we can be enabled to live fully today for the glory of God. Think about it. Most fear is located in the future, isn't it? In tomorrow. Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All we have is today. Yesterday is already gone, and we can't change it even if we want it to. Tomorrow isn't here yet, and we don't have control over it anyway, so don't worry about yesterday and tomorrow. God has taught the lesson about only worrying about today's needs ever since God called a people to follow Him. You remember the Israelites, right, when they were wandering in the desert, in the wilderness? God provided manna for them to eat each day, but only enough for that day. They had to trust that God would provide more tomorrow. And remember, if they gathered too much, if they got greedy, it went bad and spoiled anyway. They had to trust God. And when Jesus taught us to pray, that prayer that Jennifer led us in just a little bit ago, he instructed us to pray for our daily bread, not for a whole pantry full of food to last us a month. God provides us with what we need for today, and He will do it again for us tomorrow. And so we learn to put our trust in Him.
Jesus doesn't say that we're not going to face troubles. We will face difficulties in this life. But God will give us the grace we need to face our troubles today, and tomorrow He will give us grace again to face the troubles we will face tomorrow. It's okay to plan for tomorrow. Jesus isn't telling us not to plan. He is telling us not to worry about tomorrow. Jesus is encouraging us to trust God's grace to face the challenges and hardships we have today. So, what worry are you struggling with that you need to find freedom from through trust in your Heavenly Father? Last week, one of our members, Denise Ferguson, shared a video testimony about how she let go of her quest for more things. And today, she's going to share with us how in the process, she was able to let go of her worry. Take a listen to her testimony. I feel like anxiety has really been ever-present. Um, when I was a kid, uh, there was a ton of anxiety. Um, both of my parents uh, had their own challenges. It was a tough environment to live in. Very unhappy people, addiction, abuse, um, all sorts of uh, drug interactions. And, you know, as a kid, I uh, felt anxious about everything, honestly. I didn't know where the next meal was coming from. Often I didn't know where my parents were. Um, eventually had a little brother that I was taking care of, but um, everything was anxiety-producing. But control and response to that anxiety really worked well for me uh, throughout the course of my life. Um, I studied really hard. I got great grades, and that that resulted in me being able to go to an amazing um, Ivy League institution I never would have ever thought that little Denise would have the opportunity to go to and attend with all the amazing people there. Uh, similarly, um, I had a pretty fantastic running career, um, same sort of thing. Uh, a lot of control, a lot of effort. The more I put into it, um, the more everything was okay. Uh, that one in particular took a different turn. Uh, I got so very focused on that, did really well, went to the Olympic Training Center, and in the process became severely anorexic and weighed 92 pounds at 5'6". Um, you know, struggling. Obviously, it was significant mental issues at that point in time. On paper, everything looked good. Uh, from the outside, everything looked good. All of the people around my family uh, thought that everything was great. Um, but inside, it was not. I had never dealt with any of uh, the spider webs and cobwebs. I had not killed that spider. Um, all of that was still inside. And I was managing it through control of everything around me that was showing up an external achievement that everybody saw as, you know, that perfect little family that was what I was going for. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, I couldn't manage it. I couldn't control it. Um, and it was breaking, and it broke. Um, a divorce came about with... Um, all sorts of very ugly bells and whistles that went with that um, that were awful 
uh, for everyone involved uh, and for my kids. And uh, in that journey, uh, which was the toughest journey of my life to be back at the beginning at 42, all over again, that was the moment of realization that um, the response to anxiety is not control. <laughs> and I had it wrong for all of those years. When I finally did at 40 some years of age, um, truly get on my knees and surrender and ask for him to lead my life, it was uh, amazing and totally different and resulting in a life currently that still has the past that is back there and all of the challenges that come with that, um, but that feels amazing and so happy and calm um, and so confident that no matter what, everything will be okay. I have never in my life felt like no matter what, everything will be okay. What a powerful testimony Denise has shared with us these past two weeks. She said that she learned that the response to anxiety is not control, that the response to anxiety is trust. The response to anxiety is complete and total trust to the one who cares for you, to the one who holds all of your tomorrows in the palm of his hand. What do you need to let go of today? What do you need to surrender to the Lord today? You can give him all your cares, concerns, worries, and anxiousness today. And in return, he will give you grace and peace and hope and trust. Will you pray with me? Holy Lord Jesus, we humbly bow before you. So thankful for all that you are teaching us through your wise words from the Sermon on the Mount. Lord Jesus, we lay down those things that weigh us down and drag us down and try to hold us down from the full and abundant life that you have given us. We lay them at the foot of the cross and ask you, Lord, to replace them with trust and surrender in you. For in letting go, you will fill us to overflowing with your grace and your peace. Lord, help we surrender our lives to you, and we ask your help in doing just that, to let go of the chains that bind us and instead surrender our lives to freedom and trust in you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we ask you to do a work in us today that only you can do. For it is in your strong and powerful name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.